Well, good morning, and it is lovely to, to see everybody. And, oh, I've so enjoyed that. I know we're not supposed to sing, but it was just great to hear the band play. I've loved it this morning. Right, so here we go. Now, today we're going to look at the second of our six week series called Made for Mission. Last week, Corrine got us off to a really good start looking at who is called. Now, all of us who are followers of Jesus are called to mission. It's not just a selected few. We don't have to be trained in theological college or anything like that to be a witness for Jesus. And this morning, we're looking at what's my mission. Over the next few weeks, we'll be looking again at the who and the why. So, the what, the who, the why, the when, and the how. Now, many years ago, I taught English as a foreign language at Gated College. Now, they were classes for adults of speakers of other languages. And one of my favourite lessons was the WH question words. But English can be a very confusing language. I mean, we say why, when, what, and yet we say who. So, why is it not who? And how is a question word but it doesn't have a W, or it could be wow. So it's very difficult to explain to people who don't have English as their first language. But we're going to take a look over these next few weeks at all of those WH question words. And all of the verses that we're looking at this morning are taken from Luke chapter 9. As Green explained last week, the who, who are sent out, are all those who belong to the Lord Jesus. The who, who is doing the sending, is the Lord Jesus himself. In verse 51 of chapter 9, we read that Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. It says, as the time approached for him to be taken up into heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. He set out to save you and me from our sins. He set out to give us eternal life in heaven with God. He knew his purpose, he knew what his mission was, and he set his face like a flint to accomplish what he came to do. A man on a mission. And the mission of all those who follow him is the same as his. So if we read in chapter 9 and verses 23 to 26. And then he said to them all, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to lose his, save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will save it. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit his very self? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. God's mission is our mission. Now, I'm not wanting to be pedantic about words, but I'm not sure about the title of this sermon series, Made for Mission. I think that we were created for a relationship with God, to know him and to love him, and then to be sharing him with others, the things that he has told us and the things that we've seen him do. Our mission is to know him and to make him known. My husband and I have a tattoo on our wrists, Romans 1 and verse 16, which just simply said, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God 
for the salvation of all who believe. A few years ago, there was a slogan that said that the local church is the hope for the world. But recently, somebody posted on Facebook to say, not denying that the church has an important part to play, but Jesus is the hope for the world. The church is just a means of spreading that message of hope. We don't come to a set of doctrines, we don't come to a church, we come to a person. And it's he himself who said in John chapter 6, all that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. Now I recently had a conversation with a friend who told me that she'd been praying really hard for the situation in India. Now this is a lovely friend, but she doesn't go to church and she doesn't read the Bible. So I said, oh that's interesting, we've been praying. Who have you been praying to? She said, well, well God. I said, well, but if you don't read the Bible and you don't listen to any Christian teaching, how do you know what your God is like? What is your God like? She very quickly replied, well, not Jesus. And I said, oh, well, that's very interesting because Nicky Campbell, who founded the Alpha Course, was just saying the other day that 30 years ago when he started Alpha, people readily accepted the whole gospel. But he's found that in more recent times, the people who come on Alpha are happy to believe in God. They're happy to believe in a creator of the universe. And they're very happy to believe in the Holy Spirit because they want to believe in some kind of experience, some kind of supernatural experience. But when it comes to the Lord Jesus, they find that God becoming a man is just really hard to accept. But Jesus said, no man comes to the Father except through me. And Jesus never lied. So I said to my friend, I said, and you know, it's really lovely when you get to know him. You should get to know him. I'm not sure what you thought of that. But if Jesus wasn't God, who died on the cross to pay the price for our sin, and rose victorious over death, then we are still in sin. And we have no hope of redemption, which is a sad state to be without hope. My sister, who is not a Christian, but she's a member of all kinds of like book clubs and philosophy societies, and she thought that during lockdown, I needed to expand my mind. So she um, bullied, uh, um, not bullied, encouraged me to do an online lecture. And this lecture that I chose was of a very little known 19th century author called Mark Rutherford. Now Mark Rutherford was the pseudonym of William Hale White, a civil servant for 30 years who wrote several books. He's not well known at all, but he was a close friend and contemporary of George Eliot. Now, William Hale White, the author, came from a family of devout dissenters. Well, I had to Google dissenters because I didn't really know what it meant. But apparently, it was people who moved away from the established Church of England and were chapel rather than church. So I'm not sure if we qualified to be dissenters, but there you go, that's what it is. William Hale White started off as a preacher, but then, Along the way, he lost his faith. And as a result, he found life very difficult. And I have to be honest and say that his books are rather gloomy and sad. But the lecturer started off by telling a short story written by Mark Rutherford. So, 
if you're sitting comfortably, I'll just tell you this short story. You've got to imagine it's like the time of Dickens. A man of somewhat ill temper was having a bad day. He was staying in a bed and breakfast place on holiday. The weather was dreadful, the accommodation and food were good, the children were bickering, and the rain was pouring down. He was fed up, so he decided to go out for a walk in spite of the weather. As he opened the door, his dog was lying across the doorstep, and in his bad temper, he kicked the poor dog and cursed it. God damn you to hell, he said. The faithful dog followed him down the road, but after a while he realised that the dog was no longer following him, so he turned back. As he went along the road, he found the poor dog lying dead in the rain. I did tell you it was a sad story. But he was filled with remorse. He buried the dog, and ever afterwards always felt really bad about it. And the foot that he'd used to kick the dog never felt quite right. But there was nothing he could do about it. Some years later, he happened on a house fire. The owner was standing outside waiting for the fire brigade and explained that a dog was trapped inside the house. The man, our protagonist, rushed in and rescued the dog. Whereon the owner said it was an ugly dog and he didn't really want it, so the man could keep it. <laughs> However, in the rescue, he seriously damaged his ankle and his foot then had to be amputated. So the story was about making atonement for the wrong that he had done. He'd kicked the dog with his foot and now he'd lost his foot. But the author, Mark Rutherford, also known as William Hale White, you remember, he was a man who had turned his back on the faith and on the Lord Jesus. And he wrote at the end of the story, and this is what stood out. Unhappy is the wretch who longs to atone for sin, but no atonement is provided. You see, that's incredibly sad. He could see he knew himself to be a sinner in need of forgiveness, but having rejected the gospel and faith in Jesus Christ, there was no other person or place that he could go to to find that forgiveness. Unhappy is the wretch. He turned his back on the only hope he had of atonement. Whereas we can say, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. So, the what of our mission is to tell people that Jesus is alive and that forgiveness is to be found in him. But we make excuses. We live in a distracted world. A recent survey showed that people check their mobile phones over a hundred times a day. Now, I have to say that's not me, and my husband usually can't find his phone, so it's not him either. But I have to say, you know, I use the Bible in one year readings at the moment, and they're on the iPad. And because I'm on the iPad, I'm so very easily tempted to just then go on and check emails and, and check Facebook. And so I'm, I've read the Bible a bit, but instead of getting straight into the prayer time, I've wandered away, I'm distracted. And we know that as followers of Jesus, it's our responsibility to share our faith. But let me ask you a question. When was the last time you ever actually did that? When was the last time you actually shared your faith with somebody and told them about the Lord Jesus? And I, 
the next verses that we're going to look at are from, again, Luke chapter 9, but it's verses 57 to 62. As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, Foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. He said to another man, Follow me. But the man replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, No one who puts his hand to the plough and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. In the passage, we read Jesus tells the first man that following him might lead to homelessness. We don't know how that man responded, but lots of us don't want to leave our comfort zones. The second man wanted to bury his father, which seemed like a reasonable request, but it's implied that his father was still alive and he could have been waiting for years to follow. The third, who says, first let me go back and say goodbye to my family, is essentially saying, I will follow you, but I need to do all these other things first. And it's about the but. So we're just going to watch a very short video now, which is called, How Big Is Your But? Is there anything competing for your attention? 
Jesus is not about making a following, but about making followers. And we can be a part of that. The what? Jesus is alive and he loves you. There are just two steps to the Christian life. Step one, come to Jesus. Step two, see step one above. I'm not saying simplistic, but if you come to Jesus, then the Holy Spirit will come and bring that conviction of sin and that need for repentance. Or just come to him. The how, just tell your story. Tell what the Lord has done for you. And the who, well, I came across this acronym, France. The people that we can reach are F for friends, R for relatives, A for acquaintances, N for neighbours, C for colleagues and classmates, and E, eyes open. You never know the person sitting next to you at the doctor's or the person you meet walking the dog because honestly, people are really needy now. People are frightened and people are had a bad year, and so I think there are more opportunities for us than there has ever been. As Corrine shared with us last week about a lady she met at the bus stop, who was upset, and Corrine just offered to pray for her there and then. Now, a couple of weeks ago, about two weeks ago on Saturday, I was walking my dog, and a young man was walking in step with me. Now, I do know who he is, because his mom used to bring him to the poor church when he was a boy, but I haven't seen him in a long time. He was walking alongside me as I'm walking the dog. And you know when the Bible says, um, these men are not drunk, it's only nine o'clock in the morning. Well, this lad was very drunk and it wasn't eight o'clock in the morning. So I walked along and it was, his speech was a bit slurred and I thought he said, I'd like to find a dog. And I said, mm, a dog? And I'm thinking, well, you're not getting my dog. You know, keep your eyes off my dog. And he said, no, I want to find God. And I said, oh, well, that's easy. Uh, can I pray with you? So there and then, in the middle of the street, I prayed with this lad. And I said, can you come round to the house? So he came round to the house. I suppose we shouldn't have let him in, really, but we did. Um, and we were able to give him a New Testament uh, in the message translation, which was easy to read, and a copy of the book that I wrote. Now, he has messaged me on Facebook since then to say that he's read the book. I'm hoping that I can get him linked in with Handcrafted, but I haven't got to that yet. Now, just this week, I was talking to a neighbour in the street, and she used to come to the Ford Church, and she was just saying, um, she remembered what happy times we used to have there. So I said to her, well, do you have YouTube? And she said, well, yes. I said, but if you go on YouTube and go to Champion Church, you'll see Paul Oliver, he's still playing the guitar, and you'll see Terry and Sam and Corrine, you know, people that you used to know down at the fold. You know, so, and anyway, she said she would, but I don't know whether she will. But, um, but you know, sorry. Um, perhaps you think, oh, well, I, I couldn't pray with people out in the street. I, I think that wouldn't, you know, I, I wouldn't feel I could do that. But you know, there are always people around us that we can show kindness to. One of the places that I went to, the receptionist on the desk told me that there'd been a particular tragedy in her life. So all I did was I said, well, look, I'll be praying for you. And then I went later and I, I just got a little coaster that said peace. And I put a little note in saying, you know, when you have your cup of coffee or tea at your desk and you look at this coaster that says peace, just remember that there's somebody praying for you. 
And then another shop that I, another place that I'm going to, um, the, the, the lady's been off work for quite some time with anxiety. So I just got a, one of those holding crosses and put it in an envelope and a little booklet, you know, when is it okay to not be okay? And a little note and took it. Now she sent me a message on Facebook to say she was thrilled and very thankful, particularly for the cross. And I know you might be thinking, well, where, where can I go to get these things if you don't shop online? But I've discovered recently that the Catholic Cathedral in Newcastle, St Mary's, has a lovely gift shop. I never knew it was there before, but you can get all kinds of lovely gifts. And I just think, you know, just a little thought. People are keen these days, I think, to receive anything like that. And people are happy if you say that you'll pray for them. So there you go. Eyes open. Pray that God will give you opportunities this week because our mission is to know him and to make him known. Thank you. Thank you.